0: okay cool so um hey derek how's it going uh
1: i'm doing fine i'm doing fine thank you um how are you going
0: i'm good i'm good um hope everything's going well over there um
1: So. Yeah, we're, we're just uh, we're just coming out of the third wave, well, um, oh. and of the COVID, <laughs> and uh, uh, scientists are saying that we're expecting a fourth wave. Um, mm. per, yeah, in uh, in November, December, you know, with the weather and all that. Mm, yeah, we're, we're yet to see what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I expect it, obviously, for um, you know, because it's like the winter time, and it, obviously over here in the in the u.s um it's expected to spike again well i mean it definitely will i can predict so yeah uh, we just all gotta stay safe you know <laughs>
1: yes yes uh no that's that's the most important
0: mm-hmm. okay cool so yeah we're gonna go ahead and get started so um yeah welcome everyone who's uh listening in um to my officially my second episode now of my podcast of let's get down to business um I'm here with my uh guest Derek. Uh so Derek uh would you care to just give a brief like you know intro to yourself like your educational background, like your history and like what you're doing uh up to up to today.
1: Sure. Um I, well, I grew up in Hong Kong. I'm I'm currently located mm-hmm. in Hong Kong right now. Uh <laughs> I went to the UK uh for boarding school and university after which I came back for a few years working finance in the bank and uh, and then about 7 8 years ago I started um changing to uh, education it's funny how i changed um i i found after 5 4 years working in a bank i find it quite a bit boring you know, the work was tedious so I thought um, I had always wanted to do something else, wanted to start something on my own. So a friend who has been in education for many years um, asked me, uh, suggested that I try to do something uh, different, right? So why not try with uh, teaching young kids first? Because mm-hmm. um, I'm back then I was still one of the uh, uh, rarer people. So one of the few one of the few people who had actually done English in um GCA levels and done um math at university. So I could teach both subjects. Um, so I, I started teaching uh young kids um in private, um, outside of my work uh on weekends. So I that's how I started teaching. Um and then it's been since then it's been seven or eight years and about two years ago. Um, I, uh, we merged with uh, another uh, company who does emissions consulting mm-hmm. and uh, that's how we expanded from just teaching, from purely teaching to emissions consulting. So helping place kids, uh, students from uh, Hong Kong or Chinese backgrounds to uh, high schools and colleges in the US, UK and Canada. Um, currently, I'm working on Um, developing skills for the younger generation. So Mm -hmm. um, these can be soft skills or um, hard tech skills uh, for the young generation to succeed Um, or to survive, depending where you're optimistic or pessimistic, right? Mm -hmm. People have been saying that robots would take over the world and (laughs) uh, at uh, the current time, we don't know what's going to happen so, mm-hmm. um, really depends on how we feel it and how we, um, h- how the technology develops. And so, what I think is important right now is that um, uh, I think it's a good time we're doing this uh, podcast because education is changing very quickly right now, especially in terms of COVID.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we've been talking about how how traditional models of education do not work for the newer generation, right? How, um, I'm sure you've seen, you probably have seen memes where uh, kids are uh, in a traditional classroom facing a teacher, but they're not actually learning anything. So it's very different from our parents' times when hard skills, hard math skills, English skills are very important. Now what we're looking for is creativity, problem solving Mm -hmm. skills. And these are the skills that... um, are not learned directly through um um traditional education not that traditional education is not important, but um we have to find a way to change that so mm-hmm. that's what I'm working on right now
0: cool interesting yeah I know there's a there's a lot to touch on on what you just mentioned um before i before, but before I get into that um how is that like transition from finance to education um like, when did you feel the need that you needed to, like, I guess, like, uh, make that career pivot and change? Um, like, what time were you feel like, oh, I need to, you know, I feel like education is, like, my calling? Uh, when did you, like, feel that?
1: Um, it's not an overnight call. Uh uh-huh. I've been finance. I think for the first three years in finance, I was quite happy with what I was doing. I felt I was making change. I thought I was bringing money for the bank, for the team, and all that. And but over time, um, you you look at what you are, um, your your responsibilities and uh, the work you're doing and the market. At any point in time, one should be looking one should always be reflecting on his or her own circumstances. And at that time I felt um, it seems like I'm, I'm doing the whole, I'm doing the same thing day after day for a few months. Um, and uh, but at least the company I was with back then didn't okay. seem to be um, progressing a lot. And back then it was 20, 2010 2011 uh we were just recovering from um the financial crisis gfc mm-hmm. and um uh i don't think everyone knew where we were going so uh i as i said just now uh, I, I was i was looking for i was looking for an exit i was looking for something else to do and a friend uh, who was in education i met a friend who was in education so uh we started working together then
0: Hmm. okay cool um yeah um and i was just also wondering um i know we talked about you know like how traditional education you know how some aspects of it are important um and some aspects are you know probably not as effective and i could you know attest to that um probably just like, you know, growing up um in a traditional like, you know, K through twelve and just like college. Um obviously, you know, education gave me a very good fin- foundational base of, you know, learning. Mm-hmm. Um and it wouldn't be education I wouldn't be here without, you know, education. Um so can you to uh talk a little bit about um what uh what are some aspects of traditional education that is like not effective and how what you're trying to do is trying to like disrupt that and could, you know, further better, better, provide a better education, a solid education that will meet the demand of um, kind of like the jobs of like, you know, coming up soon and like the future almost.
1: Let me ask you a question first, Owen. Um, Mm -hmm. With regards to education, so what you learned in primary, middle and high school, how much of the math uh, did you learn that you're currently using? Or how much of the English does it matter? Mm-hmm. Does it really matter how much, uh, what, with, the, with the right grammar you're using, how much of it matters now to you in your work? Um, for me,
0: uh, just personally speaking, I, I guess regards to the math side, um, I mean, obviously people, I mean, what you learned in school, like, you know the simple like addition, subtraction, and all that. Um, you you mostly retain like the basics. Like for me, uh, like addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. But then you forget like all the formulas that they teach you. Like in, for example, if you take like calculus or some other math, and there's like a whole bunch of formulas that you have to memorize.
1: Um, exactly so it, those are the things that you don't really ma- that don't really matter right what really yeah. matters is what you learn in elementary school this, the four operations and uh, probably money mm. you know estimation and and that's that's probably it that's where, what most of us need in daily life right so that's mm. um so that's the aspect of traditional education um but uh, i'm sure a lot of kids find that very boring you know practice after practice and yes. um they see it pointless they don't see how it's used in daily life we see it but they don't see it because they don't they don't actually use it as much right and with writing um for example uh i'm not sure how it is in the us but um mm-hmm. in some schools in hong kong right now on this to this day they still care a lot about handwriting when most of the uh documents we read are typed out right mm-hmm. um spelling for example Um, we have voice recognition does spelling matter that much Well, one might ask Mm -hmm. right so um, these are the aspects of traditional education that we might not uh, need as much in the future right Mm -hmm. as children grow up as uh, you might see uh, lots of children in middle school or perhaps elementary school might have a phone um, or for themselves, right? Um, what they care about is social media, communicating with other friends, and, um, uh, you know, posting nice pictures on Instagram, Snapchat, and all that. Um, so probably what they need now is uh, less of uh, the grammar, less of the writing, actual writing, less of the... Writing, uh, advanced mathematics, but what they need is the problem-solving skills. When we do all the science and math and um, perhaps even you know history, geography subjects in, in middle school, high school, um, what we are actually learning, apart from the subject knowledge, is the skills, the problem-solving skills that we use on a daily basis, right? So this is what we actually need to focus on Um, in say education 2.0. Right. Interesting. Uh, so these are some of the skills, and then um, another thing is we see people a lot more now. We communicate with a lot more people now. So communication skills is another thing that's important. Mm, Right. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so these are the aspects of traditional education that we have to further develop, right, or to pick out from the subject knowledge. Uh and to make it more uh, more easily known to the students or, or to whoever's learning, to the learners, right?
0: Hmm, cool. And um, yeah, so re- with regards to that, do you believe um, that we should um, possibly, like, you know, for me, keep some parts of traditional education, like, for example, the humanities that, you know, most people like, forget like geography or history and all that. For for me, it's, you know, it's very like interesting subjects and very important. Um, do you believe that certain aspects like the humanities should be like kept, but we should be, you know, reframing on how we teach like those subjects?
1: Um, I mean, all the subjects we, we were taught now are useful in a way, right? We might not, I mean, humanities subjects are very useful in helping us know more about the world, right? Um, the world, or a lot of people are talking about STEM now, how um, science, technology, engineering, math, how this is important for the world to progress. But I've always been saying STEM is only the means, right, to, uh, uh, to advance, right, to help technology. What actually help us, we also learn the humanities um, only by knowing history that we can uh, learn our mistakes from the history and foresee what's going to happen in the future. Um, mm-hmm. Humanity subjects give us a vision, right, while um, mm-hmm. the STEM subjects, science subjects, um, provide a means of uh, progress in, especially in technology. right? So I think I think both are important, but um what transcends above this? What what rises above all this is uh first of all the communication skills and uh problem solving skills. So these are two of the skills that, that we need um uh for everyone, right? Whether it's just the average Joe or if it's a, if it's an uh no, astronaut at NASA, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, so um when back to problem solving skills i know that's very important for um for basic, just basically for everyone um so how do we go about teaching or kids or just people in general about like problem solving skills um like what specific methods uh should we go about teaching kids about that
1: i think rather than saying it's a subject to be taught. It's a, it, it's a skill that's to be learned through many different ways, right? Um, apart from no, uh, no, traditional uh, classroom teaching, right? We also need, um, for example, there's uh, uh, um, coding out there. Mm -hmm. when when students learn how to code they learn how to find uh what the problems are or to debug what the problems are right and then they find the solutions to that so that is one way of uh uh helping them how to learn problem solving skills obviously there's also the um uh outdoor ways right um outdoors way uh way for example if you you learn problem solving skills if if you go and to camp right um if something doesn't work right how how do you how do you um solve it for example um if you are setting up a camp and uh your, your tent doesn't seem to um you can't you seem to put a nail onto the, on the ground so wh- what could be the problem right that's a and you try to find out the problem you don't just leave it there um you you try yeah. to um if you're hungry you need to find a meal right you're not you're not just going to sit there and and uh you know and and a meal will served to you right so these are also ways of learning problem solving skills it's um letting these skills known right raising the awareness of these skills and uh knowing letting the learner right students know that these are the skills that's important right Because traditionally, we think that um, going to school is just learning subject knowledge, right? So, whilst that's important, um, it's more important to learn what's beneath those subject knowledge, I think.
0: Mm. Okay. Interesting. And um, that comes probably down to just, like, experimentation and, like, possibly just, like, a trial and error kind of thing, right? Um, And and I think... um, for me i think it's trial and error and you know actually problem solving i think with a group of peers or people probably enhances your own learning um if you agree on that uh
1: yes trial and error is one thing but also um with experience um comes uh uh, expertise right in in solving certain Mm -hmm. problems um uh but that's just only you know one one part of it you know there are other, other there are also other challenges to um education uh so apart from uh you know traditional ways of learning um we see a lot of inequity in the world right um okay. for example um people talks people talk about uh, how to how to uh tackle inequity in the world right that's a lot of people do philanthropy um giving money you know donating computers is that the pro- is that a solution right or do you need to teach them how to use that no. and then there's also increased competition in, in the in the world right so what's the value well a lot of people now right compared to say 50 years ago have a, a college degree only a master's mm-hmm. degree right or postgraduate degree what's the value of the education what's the value of a, of a graduate um, what's the value of a graduate right why do we need to do uh, do these extra years in college right does it help in mm-hmm. our in our um, career and our work right and then of course there's a sort of change in learning styles as we as we talked about just now there's a um, a lot of people are are. A lot of students, learners, are tested on the same um, standards, uh, mm-hmm. but that may not be fair. Uh, that's a that's a saying, right? If you judge an elephant, right, on how well it could fly, it could never reach the standard you wanted to. It, it will always fail, right? At the same time, mm-hmm. if you judge uh, a fish, right, on how well it could walk, right, again, it will always fail. It'll probably die as well. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, (laughs) uh, standardized testing is always um, something that uh, we should uh, look very carefully at, I'd say.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, because it's like, um, sort of like, you know, um, obviously everyone has their own opinion about standardized testing. um, No, it's certainly useful. I
1: think um, in some ways, in in uh some ways, in some um, aspects. But we can't just purely look at no how well you're doing your SATs or ACTs or APs and and judge a person purely based on that.
0: There are Mm a lot more other
1: um, uh, uh, attributes that a person can bring to the workplace or bring to a team. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Um, And um, just going back to, um, I guess, you know, just like learning and, um, you know, like subject matter, um, you think it's um, a crucial part because I've been learning this about, you know, the social emotional skills Mm -hmm. of just like kids or just like, you know, when we're growing up through education, you know, we talked about communicating, but also, you know, relationship building. Uh, Do you think, Um, those should be at the top um kind of priorities for you know kids and just like us to learn in education like a very emphasis on you know how to build relationships or how to like um communicate with people effectively um kind of maintain relationships um should we be emphasizing that um not necessarily, I wouldn't say, like, more, but, like, in balance and in conjunction with learning about, like, subject matter.
1: I, I think certainly so. Um, we have to, in, in balance, right, but, but not uh, about mm-hmm. everything else. Um, now we know more about how, how people interact with each other, you know, with all these personality tests and uh, and on all that. Um, different people, right, have, uh, can bring different <laughs> attributes to a team. Extrovert might be, um, can be a leader or can be the sales of a team, whereas an introvert can be the technical support, which is still very important in in the same um, team or the same workplace, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, but the two have to work together, the introvert and extrovert, they have to work together. So how do they work together? How do we be aware of how to uh, communicate with different kinds of people? I think that's very important. Mhm.
0: Mhm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, communication is always going to be that, you know, that skill that everyone needs no matter like what career field you're kind of in. Um to, you know, like written communication and verbal communication. Um okay. Cool. Um so I guess moving on. I guess um just to go back a little. Um you said you're involved with education and all that. Uh, you you started a a company, yes, right? yes. Cool. Um, can you talk a little bit of, like, what's the name of your company and just, like, you know, a general overview of, like, what you do and what you do around in, like, your area? Okay.
1: Um, the company I'm working with right now is called Path Leader. Um, path Leader means mm-hmm. we're a leader in, in um, uh, laying a person's path, laying a learner's path, right, uh, in, in education and in career. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what we do with our target audience is, uh, uh, young people, say from 13, uh, to 18, right. People who may not have, uh, an idea of what they want to study in the future, what they want to do in the future. Right. So, uh, what we're doing here is to expose them to, uh, different possibilities, right. So it's, I think it's important right now and the increased competition that, under increased competition that um, people should think more about where they are, what they, who they are and where they want to be in the future. Uh, that's a question my father always asked me when I was young, uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years, right? I think at any point in time, a person should be thinking about that. Whether it's, uh, whether you are in, um, uh, in a school, or in a workplace. Um, imagine when you're 13. Five years later, you'll be entering university. You need to know what you want to study at university, or what you want to be um, when you graduate from university. Maybe slightly different in in the US. Uh, I studied in the UK, and uh, the structure was that we had to choose a certain subject before we entered university. So we should already know what. Um, we wanted to study what subject we're interested in for example I was interested in math since I was seven years old weirdly and um, so I, I never wavered from that I knew I wanted to do math at university so that's that's uh, those are the courses I uh, applied to a university um, at one point mm-hmm. I had actually thought of becoming a mathematician a professor and all that but you know Going to LSE changed my mind um, because it's in bang in the middle of the city of London, Um, the banks and companies uh, around us. So uh, I thought that. So that thought just left me, and I I thought, oh, I'll just I'll I'll try going to commercial world. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, So path leader helps people, um, helps students, right, (laughs) Uh, figure out their way figure out the path in education and in their careers, right? We have a network of um, uh, professionals and entrepreneurs uh, and business people who can um, give some insight, right? Young and old, to uh, uh, students. Uh, And let them know Mm -hmm. what working in in the legal field is like, what is working in the uh, finance field like, or what is it being a tech entrepreneur Right. For example, right. Um, so that they can think about it early in their lives.
0: Mm, cool. And um, now, this path leader. I know you know we mentioned, and I've been reading um, just like um, online about like technology. This um, how does like um, path leader incorporate technology um, to kind of like improve the edu- educational experience um, of kids.
1: Um, if you talk about experience, uh, the, the improving t- uh, experience, right, improving learning experience, uh, mm-hmm. we are currently working with uh, another company, the um, system company, uh, to mm-hmm. develop a platform where students can uh, learn, you, uh, where students can learn uh, interactively on the platform, whether it's subject knowledge mm-hmm. or, or else, right? Um, imagine that uh, it's, uh, we started this since the COVID, right? Imagine this being um, a, a crossover between YouTube videos where you learn one way or TV, right? And actual face-to-face um, uh, learning with a uh, with teacher, right mm. so face-to-face learning a teacher you get to two-way communication what you expect 2 way communication you can ask questions you can answer questions and you, know, you get tests, uh, assessments uh, and all that um, but if you're just um, watching TED Talks on, on YouTube right you're just receiving one-way information mm-hmm. you may have questions right. Um, but you may not know where to ask or who to ask, right? So this platform mm-hmm. uh, aims to foster these two-way interactive uh, uh, learning methods between um, a mentor and a mentee. It can be a teacher and a student. Mm-hmm. It can be someone who's, uh, who has been through the path, right? Uh, we're also starting this mentorship program where you have a, a young university student guiding a high school student on t- just telling them what I've been through over the last few years, right, and uh, being able to um, talk to them freely about uh, what their problems may be, because a student may not be as comfortable talking to teacher about his or her problems. Right, so someone mm. within the same age range might work. So this is the mentor-mentee relationship uh, I was referring to. Mm. Cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely important to have that you know, mentor-mentee relationship. Um, and I've seen it in my previous education roles because you know, going back to the, the social-emotional skills, like having that mentor and somebody that can like, uplift you and guide you um I feel like it's you know very important instead of you know um certain kids just being left out um uh without like a mentor really somebody that could like look up to and that could affect their educational experience growing up um if you agree with that. Yeah
1: yeah I, I agree with that it's a I think it's a sort of the mentee-mentee relationship, the mentee, mentee relationship here that we described just now is not new. I'm, I'm sure we've had that um, many years ago, but uh, rather than it being a one-way, um, uh, say, teaching or lecturing uh, relationship, it's more of a communication. There's, there's more communication interaction involved. Um I think it's becoming more and more popular, uh, whether in the workplace or, in um, say in in, in school, or even across the workplace and schools.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, going back to I guess technology, and I know you know during COVID we have this this whole mm-hmm. online learning model which. A lot of I don't know about, you know, students over there, but um, a lot of students seem to have a sense of like frustration over here where I'm at with um, online learning. I guess some of them get along with it, you know, because like primarily like staring at a, a screen kind of and just like, you know, um, just listening and lecturing. Um, and a lot of students seem to not like like me personally. I I don't like that. Um kind of like method of learning. So is there any way um, technology besides, can like benefit um, online learning in the sense that it's not just about, you know, staring at a screen and just like learning. Um, You can like ask questions probably, but um, is there any like unique way that students can engage with technology, especially now um, during the COVID crisis?
1: I think, uh, the COVID crisis is a wake up call for all, for all of us. Um, mm-hmm. the technology we're using is, uh, is still in the developing stage, right? Whether it's Zoom, Google meets mm. Microsoft teams or other platforms. Um, everyone is trying teacher or student. They're both trying to figure out what's, uh, what, what's a good way of learning of remote learning, right? Um, so far, I think we're all still looking for uh, a good, a better solution, right? What we've tried to do um, in the last few months was to basically move the classroom online. So we still have the same schedules. In at least in Hong Kong, here we have students going online at eight, and uh, with a one hour's lunch, and then. Um, leaving school at about three o'clock two o'clock, three o'clock right so it's six five six hours of facing the screen uh, being in a lecture right not even but what's worse is that we they don't have work to do in front of them right so it's mm. it, it's basically like forcing you to watch TV for six hours non uninteresting TV. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, (laughs) uh, so that's not what so that's what makes people frustrated. Um, uh, Perhaps not something uh, a short term solution would be to shorten these uh, periods, right? If we have half an hour periods, Mm. and then with half an hour of work, right? um, Where there's more um, on and off time on off screen time, it might work for the students, so they don't have to face the screen for so long. And maybe eventually technology can develop so that uh, you can have uh, collaborations on the screen, right? So a teacher can ask a question, Mm -hmm. the students can write on the screen, right? We can collaborate together. Um, That might make it more interesting. So Mm -hmm. rather than being being a a straightforward, one-way lecture type of teaching.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely, you know, that would be really cool to see kind of like a technology developed for that. I know we have, like, you know, obviously, you know, sharing our screen, but if there's any other like innovative ways to do that, especially for, you know, the younger kids out there, you know, like the kindergartners and just like the elementary school. So, like, you know, the three, four, five, yep. six year olds, um, they're going through online learning right now. Like, feel like it's very um, important, um, to, especially now, because if they're growing up and seeing this kind of thing where it's just staring at a screen and online learning. But I feel like their views towards education is going to be, you know, really negative growing up, going for the future, because uh, we're at a you know a unique time um, right now. So I think, you know, more forms of collaboration would be awesome um, and make it like more engaging, um, especially for the younger mm-hmm. audience. Um, so, yeah, it would be, you know, very interesting to see that kind of um, technology develop.
1: For the younger for for the younger ages, I think um, technology is still quite well. I can't say it's quite new for them, but they need to learn how to use use the technology first, right? Before they know how to use technology, mm-hmm. they would probably not be interested. It's just a screen, right? Rather than a three D person in front of them, they can touch, right? Um, so interaction mm-hmm. engagement. They're important, but they also need to learn how to use the technology first. so I think for those ages say six years or below, um, it's very hard to for technology to replace in person teaching right now perhaps perhaps in the future we can have we can have robots or or, or anything that can um, help with this
0: mm. yeah mm-hmm and um cool so um yeah i wanted to ask a question on just like robots and automation but before we get into that um just finishing up here um what do you think is the i don't know this uh this is probably very broad but what is the biggest probably the biggest challenge um to education just in general um i know it's hard because you know different countries have their own way of learning and systems, methodologies of learning. Um, I know we both saw that when we went to the the School of Economics where we studied abroad and just like learned about teaching methods from, you know, different peers that we interacted and what they learned in their own country. Um, But yeah, what do you think you can put a stamp to what is the the biggest, most single uh, uh, challenge to education?
1: I think... That's a, that's a very big question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think um, one of the biggest challenges we have um, is certainly uh, inequity, right? Uh, Mm. Where people, you know, I mean, even within the same country, there are people who have access to these resources, and there are lots of people who do not have access to resources. So that's asymmetry in, in, in the access and, uh, uh, to resources and to information as well. So that's, that's very important. Um, how we make, how we level the ground for all of these learners. Um, mm. because what we're interested in now is, uh, for everyone to have the same opportunities. And uh, if hmm. someone never has the resources and information, or someone who's, whose family has never gone to college, then the chances of them going to college is much lower. The chances of them moving to the city and knowing, you know, what's what happens in the city or internationally, it's rather low. So um, hmm. this access, I hope, can be um uh overcome with uh with uh technology um if say the internet uh can be uh can be made available to to these people mm.
0: yeah and that that's interesting that you mentioned because um you know Elon Musk is you know a uh, company yeah. you know SpaceX I just read recently that they're, you know, trying to do a project where I I don't know what it is exactly, but launching a whole bunch of satellites into space to provide, you know, internet access to a lot of parts of the globe. It's a very Mm -hmm. ambitious project. So, you know, talking about that, the internet access. um, And yeah, I definitely believe going back to inequity, like inequity is such a big uh, thing, um, like access to certain things and... You know, we see that in the United States where whether like a child or, you know, somebody's growing up in very poverty stricken mm-hmm. areas um, that could certainly affect how, like where they go to school, um, like what they'll be when they'll grow up. It's just like, you know, opportunity and access to opportunities just like crazy to think about how, you know, we could have been one of those uh, people that grows up in that certain type of environment. Um so, just to follow up on that uh, before we finish up is um like who who do you think can play a role in combating that inequity? I know there's a lot of you know major players involved like government and just like businesses and stuff um, but who do you think can play a role in combating inequity?
1: I think it's not a one person job or one party job. I think everyone has a role in, in combating inequity, uh, whether it's someone who has been through the path and come out of it, um, who someone who has, who came out on top, um, of, uh, say of, of the ones who had no resources, right. They can raise awareness. They can help, um, their peers who had not been able who had not been so lucky um uh again governments certainly can help by setting policies right by making structures uh um the tech giants right google um spacex uh Elon Musk right, and all mm-hmm. that, they can help with the expertise, with the R&D. Um, mm-hmm. uh, these are things that money alone cannot solve. right? I think 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, 20 years ago, when people talked about inequity, when people, for those who cared about inequity, uh they would say, oh, let's let's put some money into it, right? But money alone cannot solve our problems. Mm. Uh we need mm-hmm. we certainly need awareness. We certainly need people who has a heart to teach, um or has uh who who are willing to help these people. I think that's most important.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I think we need you know, more awareness around that. Um, now that I've like experienced um, that it's um, working in education. Um, okay. So yeah, just um, finishing up here. Uh, what would you say? Um, I always like kind of like probably to end my shows like this, but um, what, what do you say? Um, what kind of advice do you have um, for people who want to get involved in education or, you know, who are, entrepreneurs uh who wanting to get involved in education like what do you think is um good advice for them um
1: yeah for anyone who wants to get into education or to get into entrepreneurship i think let's talk about entrepreneurship first um entrepreneurship is always too yeah it's always solving a problem you have to identify a problem mm-hmm. um very clearly and then uh, solve the problem. Find a way to solve the problem. Use all your resources, your network, anything you can, right? Creativity, find a creative solution to a problem. Um, In education, it's the same thing. Um, Or basically in everything, right? Whatever you do, one must always reflect on the circumstances on the environment and, and always find problems, always try to find problems, be picky and find problems in, in whatever you do. Um, If there's a problem, there must be a solution. So uh, Mm -hmm. if you want to be successful, um, if one, if anyone wants to be successful, right, um, find a solution to a problem that no one else can solve.
0: Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, that comes with a, you know, very unique, uh, you know, unique perspective for a lot of people. Just um, finding what the problem is and actually developing a creative solution Mm -hmm. around that. Um, But yeah. All right. Um, well, you know, thank you so much Derek for joining me on this episode and all your insight and thank you for all your work that you're doing in education, especially now during the the COVID
1: No, Thank (laughs) you. Thank you Owen for inviting me to this podcast. It's been a great pleasure.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, so that wraps up uh, my second episode of, let's get down to business, uh, here with my uh, guest Derek. So, uh, Derek, I hope you, uh, you know, take care and you stay safe during these times and, uh, you know, continue to do the work. You
1: too, stay safe. And uh, I hope uh, all's well with you. And um, let's chat more in the future.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'll definitely, um, you know, keep in touch with all I do um, in education. I definitely, you know, plan to share, you know, like my insights and stuff whenever I talk with my colleagues or my coworkers about what we talked today. So, Yeah, thank you. you. Okay, take care.